pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Very good. Very good. Ah, we are kicking off a new series today, which I just have to full confession, full transparency. I uh, am not very happy about I was happy about it. And this is how the Lord works. Him and I are dealing with some things. I, uh, you know, this, this week, I, or last week, I shared with you that my father-in-law entered hospice and the good Lord in his great grace and his great mercy called him home on Wednesday. Now, don't, don't, don't do that. That's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's the Lord answered our prayer. And uh, he is not missing us. Amen. He, I know where he's at today. And I, I you know, and that's, that's the great comfort. And, and here's why I, I tell you that I'm working some things out. And this is where the Lord and I, you know, we have some things to, to solve. <laughs> that's my very nice, generous way to say that I, I, I don't understand why he does what he does. Amen. Anyone else with me? So I planned this series like last year. Last year I, I, I was working. Uh, I always kind of take every couple, three months, I take some pause and, and I kind of get away to try to focus on the trajectory of the church. What are some things we need to work on? What are some things we need to, to teach towards? Where are we going? And so then that kind of brought that to our team and we kind of cemented it in January. I went to design in January. And so I tell you all that because the Lord is funny. As here we are, we finished Revelations and then uh, over the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about this topic called emotions, which we all have some. And what, this is what I think is funny is the next four weeks we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about being angry or more specifically being angry at God. Next week we're talking about staying strong. Then we're going to talk about grief and then regret. And here's the funny part. I'm like, hey, Lord, is there any chance that I could just teach as a spectator? Could I be outside of it or do I have to be in the middle of it when I teach? And the Lord has evidently called me to be in the middle of it. Thank you, Jesus. Woohoo. So that's why I'm excited and 930 was great. And this has come to find out it was a Holy Spirit driven thing because here's the deal. We all have emotions. Anyone ever got, let their emotions get the best of them? If you don't have your hand up, you're a liar. You're a liar. Okay, good, good. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's set some, some, if you will, some foundation on where we're going today. And I, I don't mean to invite science in so early, but I think it's really important that we kind of define, if you will, what emotions are. So when I say this word, when we, we say these things, we understand that we're all on the same playing field, that what, when we crack open God's word, with, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in James 1 today. When we get to James, we all understand why. We're talking about this. I put on the screen, emotions are defined as a conscious reaction, subjectively experienced as a strong feeling, usually directed towards a specific object, and typically accompanied by a physiological and behavioral change in the body. Now, I like the definition up until that last part. Like, why do we have to have a physiological change in our behavior? Like, I, I wish we could just be angry and chill. That'd be sweet, but it typically doesn't work that way. And so here's what I know about emotions. Okay. Just again, setting the stage. We're all in this together. Number one, we all have them. Number two, we have all let them get the best of us. Amen. Yet we all have a responsibility to control them. And last but not least, our ability, this is crazy. Our ability to share the gospel hinges on our ability to deal with them. Whoa. Whoa. 
You know, our emotions are these amazing things that, that I wish we didn't have sometimes. I think sometimes emotions, we wish we didn't need them, but yet God gave them to us. It's part of this created order. So there's something in our emotions and the wild swing from the good high highs to the low lows and how we respond that God is working with us. And so here's the goal over the next four weeks. I wanna process our emotion. How do we do that? Speak to that. I wanna speak to how we respond to our emotion. And last but not least, and I didn't really realize it until now, I want to ensure that we use our emotion for God's glory. And that's hard. That's hard. Now, to help me do this, I, um, I'm going to kind of take a risk here, if that's all right. I grew up in a generation where we have, um, we, we created a playlist for everything. Right? Case in point, uh, I don't know many people who can work out to it as well. <laughs> Our generation literally has a playlist for everything. We have a playlist for when we have a bad day at work and we're driving home. We have a playlist for when we have a good day and we're driving home. We have a playlist for when we don't know what to say to our significant other or our spouse, and so we just send them a playlist because the songs do better than our own words. Uh, and it's fascinating. Uh, anyone else uh, playlist, playlister? Okay, good, good, good. We've got a playlist for everything. And, and it's funny to watch the generation behind us start to grab hold of that. Uh, my son... He got an Alexa Kids for Christmas. Now, it's really important that you know that because if you don't know that key detail, I'm a horrible parent and you should probably call CPS on me, okay? But he's got a Kids Alexa, which is a really cool thing. It's, it's like a, an Alexa, but it filters everything. It's almost like a, an artificial intelligent parent. How sweet is that? <laughs> and so he's got this because he needs music in his room. So the other day, you know, Speaking of emotions, I asked my son, hey, would you clean your room? And of course, he has an emotional undoing. And it goes in circles. It always starts with an emotional response, you know, crazy, lucid behavior. Then he goes to his room, he processes, and then he kind of dials in and he starts working. So it's at that point that I go in and check on him and I walk into him joyfully cleaning his room to let the bodies hit the floor. Which, a couple things, there is a kid's bot version, did not know why that was needed. Number two, do not know how he found this song or knows this song, but here he is picking up his clothes and his Nerf darts to let the bodies hit the floor. And every once in a while he's like, let the bodies, and I'm like, you're five, man. Like, playlists for everything that help us deal with our emotions. And so I tell you all that because I have prayed, uh, if you will, a, a track, which each of these weeks. And so what I'm about to share with you is a song to help us set the tone today. Uh, our team created a, a music video to kind of go along with it. it. It's really important that you understand it's not like an acting music video, it's a lyric video. Because the depth of these lyrics are uh, extremely deep. And at 9.30, it didn't work. So it's a gamble as to if it's going to work. <laughs> so just hold on, okay? But before I get into that, I want to tell you that today we're talking about anger. More specifically, we're talking about what do we do when we're angry at God? And here's why we're talking about it. Years ago, I had to do a funeral. It was actually my first funeral. I was living out in Montana and a 14-year-old girl decided that she was gonna take her mom's car and go see her friend. And in Montana, it is the wild, wild west. So people don't just drive down the street. She drove several hours away. In that, she hit a gravel, spun out, wrecked her car, and it took her life. It was horrible. 
And uh, it was my first funeral, and, and, and I will tell you, the funeral was easy in comparison to having to talk to her mother. And here's this mom who wore hard on the sleeve. And I remember this conversation that I had with her mother. Her mother's name was Tracy. And I said, Tracy, you're taking all of this too well. Like everything's sunny, everything's smiling. Like everything's just, yes. Like, are you processing your emotions? And I had to ask her multiple ways and, and, and multiple times to see if I could get it out of her. But ultimately she finally broke down and she said, no, I am not. And I said, why not? And she said, because I'm so angry at God, I I can't go to him yet. And I was so perplexed by this statement. And I told her uh, this statement and I I hope that you hear my heart and and I'm telling it to you. I stand behind it. I think biblically, I stand behind it. Theologically, I stand behind it. In every aspect, I stand behind it. If we can't go to God with our emotions because we aren't are afraid he can't handle him, then he isn't God. If we can't go to God with our frustration and maybe words we wouldn't say in church, maybe feelings we would be embarrassed if other people knew, if we can't go to God fully transparent, then he's not God. And I tell you that because I I don't want the polish thing. I don't want people to believe that you can't be angry at God and you have to somehow work it out yourself Put on a mask just so you can go to the creator and sustainer who created these emotions and gave them to you. No, no, he loves you and he knows you and he fully accepts you and he's not done with you. And so I say all that to sit here and go, as you process this song, I want you to understand that what we are talking about is something today that I believe emphatically God can handle. So take a look at this song and then I'll wrap it up with this word.
You know, my daughter, she, uh, she's at this age where she said, hey, dad, what are, you, uh, what are you teaching on today? And I said, anger, anger about, or anger with God. She's 10 and she says, you, you could be angry at God? And I said, yeah, you can. And she said, I am. I said, really, what are you angry at? She's like, I'm angry that he took grandpa. And I, I say that because here's my daughter at 10 and just after the 9.30, the amount of people I talked to in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who still to this day didn't understand or believe that you could be angry at God. And so really where we're gonna go is how do we deal with this, process this, respond to this in the most biblically accurate way? And so for that, thank you that scripture is going to answer that for us. It's found in the book of James. And before I get to the verse that I want to teach from today, I just want to set this foundation. This is found in James 1 and 2. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when, not if, but when. I don't know why we have sold such a false gospel when it comes to salvation, that when you get saved, everything is going to be beautiful, rosy, and you're never going to suffer. When the complete opposite is, when you say yes to Jesus, what you're saying is yes to everything that comes with it, including counting your costs and picking up your cross and following him daily. It comes with the great undoing of what's in and around you. It comes with the reminder that if your persecution or suffering happens, good. He's the one who said he suffered first. If it comes from a, a family that gets torn apart, good. He says, I've come to set the world on fire. Oh, how I wish it was burning. Don't you know that I've come to divide mother against daughter and son versus father? When it comes to the place of it's gonna cost you everything, he says, good. It costs me everything. And I want you to follow me in the same pursuit. So when James says, count it as joy, my brothers, my sisters, my family, when you meet these trials of various kinds, for you know that this is a testing of your faith and in that testing, it produces steadfastness and let that steadfastness have its full effect. It's a journey, it's a process, it's a thing that happens. 
And when that full effect happens, you may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I liken it to this idea of when you plant a tree. It is only in the wind and the rain and the storms that it produces deep roots and it stands strong, strong and tall for generations to come. And yet what we unfortunately have come to believe is that because Jesus loves us, it's always gonna work out for us. And yet the author that tells us trials will come, not, not if, when they come, is the same person who was the brother in law, or the, the stepbrother of Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but that's gotta be tough. How would you like to have Jesus as your brother? Good luck winning that argument. Good luck telling your mom, he did it, it's his fault. But what's even crazy is not only did he, was Jesus his brother, not only did he watch Jesus grow up, but he believed what Jesus said is that he took up, took up the same mantle and shared the good news of the gospel that his brother was who he says he was. And it didn't just cost him everything, it cost him his life. So the author says trials will come. This is not someone sitting in a beautiful elevated place. This is someone who was persecuted. This is someone that shortly after writing these words was martyred because he believed so much in what Jesus said and aided the force of advancing kingdom. And so with all of that in mind, let's jump down to verse 19 and we're gonna unpack what we do when we're angry at God. And, and we're gonna start in verse 19. It says this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, it's really important that we understand that James is like the, the New Testament version of Proverbs. It was, it was very much wisdom literature. It was telling us how to behave in a world that didn't make sense. And so James is kind of setting going, hey, when all the stuff around you is breaking, when all hell is breaking loose, when everything is going wrong, when the trials are up, the wind is blowing, the fire is burning, the storms are hitting, the rain is there, when all of that's happening, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to know something. And how you achieve this knowing is simply by stopping and listening. And here's what's crazy about the word anger. Yes, it's a primary emotion, but check this out. Anger comes from the question, why? It starts with why this, it moves to why me, it goes to why now, and it always ends with why God are you allowing this? And when we get to the point where we're asking God, why did you allow this? There's a part that we get to where we can no longer answer the question. So we start to answer it for him. And when we begin to answer it for him, we see a rage start to well up inside of us. And here's what I know. Anger is confusing, but it's a natural emotion and has the potential to be a grievous sin. I love what Ephesians, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 26. He says, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, it's natural, but don't sin. So how do we keep from sinning? Is it possible to be angry and sin? Of course, yes. Is it possible to be angry and not sin? Thank God, yes. And here's what's crazy is when James is saying this, he, he's telling us several things, but, but we're going to get there in a second. But I love this. He says, slow to anger. James was an Old Testament theologian. 
He knew the word of God. And when he says you need to be slow to anger, he was actually referencing something in the Old Testament found in the book of Exodus. Let's go there. It says this in Exodus 34, 6. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God, our God merciful and gracious is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is slow to anger. Now, I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I was in this Hebrew class. I have since dropped out. But the funny part is they keep sending me the lectures. So it's the best of the situation ever because I'm still in the class. I just don't have to do any of the homework. It's awesome. But in the Hebrew, what I'm learning, what I'm discovering is that there, there's, this, there's this desire not to just convey fact. It's not just this desire to convey the situation, but they actually have a desire in their, in their words. The, the words have such depth that they're trying to create or convey the emotion that pairs with it. And so what's crazy is in that story in Exodus, when it says that God is slow to anger, the actual translation in Hebrew says this, the Hebrew word for slow to anger means long of nose. Long of nose? What? Here's why, because the Hebrew people believed that anger started in the pit of your stomach. It's crazy, it starts here. It's this thing that, that, that you feel it right here and then it begins to rise. And as it moves up to the chest, you can, you can, you can see it like people, people turn red. My wife, she gets hives. It's like this early warning sign. It's awesome. I know when to cease and desist. And then it moves to the neck. And that's where you start to see veins and in the forehead, veins start to pop out. And then it comes out through the nose. And you're like, wait, it does? Yeah, your nostrils start to flare. And you start to breathe heavy, right? Why am I telling you all this? Because the, the Hebrew people knew that too. And so their answer to God is slow to anger is that God must have a really long nose. It's not that he ignores the anger. It's not that things that are happening don't make him angry. It's not that it's not rising. It's that he is so long of nose that it's not letting him control his behavior. And so what James is inviting us to is to sit here and go, hey, Anger is real. Anger's gonna happen. Anger's natural. But how we use it, how we respond to it, and how we allow it to control us is on us. And so what James is about to teach us is four cool things. He's gonna teach us how to listen, to speak, to receive, and to apply when we are dealing with anger. And so I'm gonna unpack that for you, uh, those four things, and I'm gonna start with number one. Uh, and number one is this. We are told that we are to listen. Know this, my brothers, let every person be quick to hear, quick to hear. What the author is saying is we must listen for God in our emotions and speak God's word to our emotions. And I love this because many of us that are, are it's all about me mindset, we read this and we go, okay, I got you, pastor. We're supposed to not talk first. We're supposed to hear everyone's opinion. And I don't think that's what James is saying. In fact, I know that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is when the world and all of hell is breaking loose, when you are not in control, do you know what seems to become louder than anything else? Our emotions. It's amazing. I see it in my kids all the time. When I say something they don't like, they get so overwhelmed with emotion that they respond away. And I'm like, whoa, let's slow down. Let's talk about it. They can't talk right now. They're off their rockers. 
My wife too. She's like, I just need to calm down. I'm like, yeah, you do. I'll give you some time. But here's what's crazy is when we are enraged, when we're feeling this emotional response, when there is this physiological response to our body, what I do know is that what we're thinking, what we're feeling becomes louder than anything else. And what James is inviting us to do is he's saying, no, no, listen to it. Listen to its source. Listen to where it's coming from. Listen to your God, for God and your emotions. And then we have to do something crazy. We have to speak to them, which is number two. We have to speak. Now, again, our all about me mindset is saying, no, 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 pastor. James is telling us after we listen, then we could speak to our problem. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying is that we have to speak over our emotions. Scientists have called this self-talk. Numerous studies have indicated that all of us deal with this thing called self-talk. You don't believe me? How much do you have to convince yourself to go work out? When someone brings donuts in the office and you walk by it, do you just like, no, I'm good? Or do you have a whole conversation of why you don't need another donut? Our entire emotional operating system is derived out of our self-talk, this conversation that we have with ourself. Scientists say this, our, our self-talk is the way that we talk to ourselves. It's our inner voice. You might not be aware that you're doing it, but it almost certainly are. The inner voice combines conscious thoughts with an inbuilt belief and biases to create an internal monologue throughout the day. Self-talk is so important. Get this. This is what science has discovered. This is what they tell you is that when you just change your self-talk to have a bent that is positive and not negative, look what happens. Research shows that positive self-talk can improve your self-esteem. It can improve your self-management, your well-being. It can reduce any symptoms of depression, anxiety, and personality disorders. It can improve your body image. It can help treat people with eating disorders. It can reduce your risk of self-harm and suicide. It can make you feel more in control of your life. It can help you with your chronic pain. It can, that's crazy. It can motivate you to overcome obstacles. It can help you calm down. Now, I shared this a couple weeks ago with a buddy of mine, and here's what I learned. No one in the history of saying calm down has ever calmed down. <laughs> what I, what's amazing to me is science says, oh, wow, self-talk is real. And then they say, hey, if you're just positive, like you deserve this, you go girl, you go man, you got this. All of a sudden our life gets better, but I, I don't know if, if when someone tells me to calm down, do I calm down? No. So when I tell myself to calm down, that's probably not gonna work either. Why am I telling you this is because what James is inviting us is he's saying, hey, you have to listen to the source and not, you don't have to go run and speak to everyone else. You have to speak to yourself. Well, what are you supposed to speak to yourself? Are you just supposed to be nice to yourself? No. No, there's so much more that you're supposed to say. That's why the verse isn't done. He goes on, he says, therefore put away the filthiness and the rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What is the implanted word? What are we receiving? I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2. He says this, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in believers. 
James is saying, hey, you have to listen to the source of it, and then you have to begin to tell yourself, what does the word of God say? Because here's what I know. No one has ever made a good decision operating out of their feelings. No one has made a proud decision when they, we do everything out of our feelings and our emotions. Have you heard of road rage? And while it's funny, it is insane what people are capable of at the hands of being cut off in a car. Go spend some time driving in a third world country. You will come back a better person of peace because no one takes anything personal over there. It's the way you drive. Therefore, put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. We must receive what God's word is doing in us. We have to receive what God's word is doing in us. And then he wraps it up. And before I jump in, I just want to remind you, right? Okay, we're supposed to listen. We're supposed to inspect what we expect. We're supposed to sit here and go, what is the source of this frustration? What is the source of this undoing? And then we're supposed to speak life. We're supposed to receive God's word and begin to speak over ourselves. And then we're supposed to do this crazy thing called apply. And, and this verse I'm about to read is one of these awesome verses that gets henpecked and there's no context given. We just pull it out and we're like, yay. But I want you to understand that it is under this umbrella of when trials come, when your emotions are out of control, when you're feeling things you can't respond to. This is where this verse's context is rooted in. And what does it say in verse 22? But here we have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. See, when we're hearers only, we deceive ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word of God and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at, the nat at his natural face in the mirror and then he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. It's like, hey, uh, God says that, you know, I gotta pick up my cross, that, that, that he's not in control, that it rains on the just and the unjust, that, that, that God is responsive and he, he responds and we're supposed to pray and we're supposed to count all of our trials as a blessing. We're supposed to grow steadfast. We're supposed to grow deep roots. We're supposed to bear much fruit. But guess what? If the world hates you, good, it hated him first. We're like people who sit here and go, my feelings are hurt. We walk away and we forget what we look like or what we're supposed to reflect. We, we forget that the world doesn't revolve around us. We forget that, that we're not in control. We forget that God set eternity on our hearts and our minds, not this temporal place. The, the finish line is not our deathbed. The finish line is when we get home. We just studied this. We just unpacked Revelation. God went and prepared a place for us to really live. Right now, we're just foreigners, aliens, temporary residents in a place that's cruel. But again, I, I, can't keep, I keep going back to what my father-in-law said right before he passed to my mother-in-law. He, he said this, right? For people who know Jesus, this is our hell. This is as bad as it will ever be. And it's not that bad. So when things aren't going your way, are you gonna be just a hearer of the word? Or are you gonna be a doer of the word? He looks at himself, goes away at once, and forgets what he was like. 
The deception is that we can hear God's word and not be changed. The word of God is a mirror and it reflects back who God is. We must apply God's word to our life specifically. And here's the crazy part. When we, when we listen, when we speak, when we receive what we're supposed to, and then when we begin to apply what God says, this is what James tells us. He wraps up in verse 24. He says this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, guess what happens? He will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. So what do we do with this? When I started, many of you are like, cool, they're gonna tell me how to deal with my anger with God. And now you're sitting there going, wait, you're done? You didn't tell me anything. And that's intentional. And here's what I'm saying. I'm saying you're gonna be angry. But the beautiful part is when you're angry, you need to do this. You need to listen you need to speak. You need to recognize that your anger with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. And then you can receive his word when you understand that you are in a divine situation and you need him. You need a savior. You receive his word and you apply it. And guess what? On the back end, I trust you and the Holy Spirit to convict you and for you to respond how you need to. For some of us, we might need to be a hill that we die on. For some of us, it might be the line in the sand. For some of us, it might be something we need to endure a little bit longer. For some of us, it might be the thorn in our flesh. For some of us, we might just never know the answer, but guess what? It's okay because we trust God. I don't know what to do with your anger, but I know who does. His name is God. And he created you. He designed you. He knit you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you ever understood yourself. He knew the number of hairs in your head. He gave you every single one of those emotions. He didn't ask you to ignore your emotions. He actually said, no, blessed are those who deal with the gamut of their emotions. That's called mourning, for they will be comforted. And God does his best work with our honesty. And so many of us need to be reminded that we don't serve a God who's sitting there pointing his finger saying, you gotta do this. We serve a God who's inviting us to crawl up in his lap. And he's reminding us how much he loved us that he sent his son to die for us. He's a God that, that not only created you on purpose, for a purpose, but he created you to magnify himself in the world. And so our responses, our emotions, they enable us to either better share the good news of the gospel or they derail our efforts. Have you ever heard someone share the gospel who just got done dropping 17 F-bombs because someone cut them off? It's crazy how it doesn't really sound like good news. Have you ever seen someone uh, tell you how much you need Jesus and why, and then treat the waiter or waitress like she has no worth? Have you ever had someone say, hey, trust, you gotta trust God, you gotta read his word, and then all they do is complain about their situation, how it isn't going well for them? It's amazing how we derail the good news of gospel because we allow our emotions to get the best of us. And yet the reminder is, is in your pain, in your frustration, in your ultimate reality that you don't know why this is happening. And you want God to answer your why. I would remind you of who else, who else are you supposed to be angry at? 
go to the source. Go to the source and listen and speak and receive and apply. And what I know is the promise on the back end is what James says when he says, listen, the one who does these things, the one who operates this way, he will be blessed in his doings. I want us to be a blessed people. I want us to be people that can take the chaos of life and not have to know everything. Why? Because we know the one who holds it all together. We serve the God who can redeem all things. We serve the God who can reconcile all things. And we also serve the God who said, hey, this is not the end. Heaven is the end. The new earth, my new creation, the place that I am preparing for you, that is the end. And so not everything is gonna be answered here. Not everything is gonna be righted here, but everything will be made right on his terms, in his house, for the season that we were created for. The season of eternity with him, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, and no more hurt. So who else are you gonna be angry at but the great way maker who even when we don't feel like it, he's working. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't figure it out, we trust that he's working because he's not done yet. He's not done yet. And if there's breath in our lungs, neither are we. So let's keep working it out. Let's keep trusting the one who holds it all together. And let's keep receiving what he has for us and applying it to our life so that we can better reflect of who he is in a world in desperate need of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you that even when we don't know, you can be trusted. Even when we can't see it, you can be trusted. Even when we don't feel it, you can be trusted. And so God, I pray that we would trust you now. I pray that whatever we're confronting, whatever we're feeling, we'd begin to submit those feelings unto your word. And we would be transformed and renewed by the peace of being living sacrifices, by the peace that this is not our home, that we are foreigners, we are aliens, we're here, temporary residents, that God, you're going to make everything right. And what you're preparing is far better than what we could ever ask or imagine. So Father, we give you this time now. And as we process this, as we declare it, I pray that we carry it out of here with a hope and a confidence that changes others. We give all this to you for your glory and your will and your purpose. To the great way maker, we say, amen, amen. Would you stand as we declare this song?